0: I want you to go over with me tonight to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we're going to talk about believing is doing. It's important to understand that it's one thing to say I believe something, it's a whole other matter to act on that. And in acting on what we say we believe, that's when the power is released, that's when we see the results that we're looking for. And just uh, you know, draw your attention to this phrase. We're told to hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God. Hearken diligently unto the voice of the word of God. And again, the word hearken is more than just about what you hear with your ears. The word hearken has to do with a heart that wants to listen, but also then go out and do what we have actually heard. In other words, hearken means to hear with an attitude and a commitment to do. Say that with me, hearken is to hear with an attitude to listen, an attitude to do. Uh, There is no place in in the scripture where God indicates this is just for you to to know, to memorize, to understand. And that's where the breakdown happens. Uh, When Jesus spoke of the leaven of the Pharisees, they got into the habit of teaching great things, understanding great things but doing very little of what they actually taught. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he's in direct contrast to that. And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight if we get to that. But I want you to notice that that hearkening involves hearing, having ears to hear. Jesus said what? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, he wasn't just talking about understanding. He was talking about the ability to hear and then go out and do the things that you actually heard. The second part of hearkening is doing or applying what you hear. Whenever you sit under the Word of God, you should be uh, in tune with the Holy Spirit and just simply ask, you know, what am I supposed to do in response to this message? What am I supposed to do in response to the time that I've actually had under the Word of God? There should never be a time when you come to church and not have some kind of an action list, and that doesn't mean it's going to be five pages long. Sometimes the shortest phrases in your life from the Holy Spirit are the most powerful. One of the things that I'll do when I go to a Believer's Convention is I'll, um, I'll take notes, of course. I still like to take notes myself and receive from the Word. I'll have what I call an action list. I'll go to the back of the notebook, and I'll specifically start a number of things. Now, what is he specifically telling me to do or not do, to correct, to stop doing, to engage, to restart doing, anything I've let slip? And, uh, you know, normally it's a pretty good list, be perfectly frank and honest and transparent with you. Now, look at somebody and say, we've not arrived yet. But that's a, it's a good practice for us when we come into the house of God. What are you telling me? Because all of this word applies to all of us. But in terms of the actual application of what to do, you know, the message from the Spirit of God can be varied depending on what we're dealing with in life and what we're going through and what we're handling. Then nobody else in the room even has a clue that we're dealing with that. So that's what hearkening is all about. And that's the attitude that actually gets us increased or blessed. It's an attitude that causes God to look upon us and bestow his favor and his blessing on us. We know we're blessed already, aren't we? But then there are things that will release, tangibly release that empowerment in our lives to increase. So um, attitude is a big deal to God. I'll be you know, giving you guys a message just simply called you know, uh, love the, the, the switch for increase or the blessing. Uh, your faith doesn 't work without love, so if we 're in a position we 're allowing stuff to come in and reside in our heart, what 's happening is our attitude that, that fosters increase is not there. And certainly, our attitude should be, you know what I want to hear, but I want to walk out of here and do you know, what God's telling me to do. And that automatically separates you from a lot of Christians, a lot of people that are religious, because you're actually applying the things that you hear. And I will say this to you. It's not all the church's fault, and I mean capital C. For years in seminary and Bible college, um, preachers have been taught to teach and to preach in a certain way. They're focused on background and information and Greek words and, and history and to show how much we know. And then maybe the last two or three minutes, they start talking about what to do. That's completely in contrast to how Jesus taught. You should be um, receiving the word that certainly gives you all the background and the information and the revelation and the knowledge, whatever. If there's history there, if there's, you know, uh, understand uh, geography or understand a certain word that's, that's pregnant with power, we want to know what that says but primarily you need to be taught in what we call an applicational manner. You can walk out of here with a handle. Well, This is what the word says and I understand the background but now what do I do with it? Have you ever got something in a box like a piece of solder furniture or something else and it came with instructions? And I mean just opening up a box just ruins my day. That is not my thing. to look at a box of a bunch of pieces, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and a big bag of nuts and bolts and everything and then put that thing together. That is, not, that is not my favorite thing to do. But how do you understand that booklet of instruction is not there just so you will know what to do? And have you ever been like me and you kind of set it aside? I don't need that. Look at somebody and say, you need that. And when it comes to the word of God, guess what? Your life is like that solder desk. It's never going to come, to, come together and stay together without what? The right instruction in the Word of God, of course, is that manual for us. And so our attitude has to be I'm, I'm going to sit in the Word and I'm going to have a takeaway from this. I'm not just going to be impressed with what it said or how it is said. I'm not going to be impressed with the theatrics or the emotion or whatever, but I'm going to walk out of here and then do something about it. For example, if you are here Sunday morning and and Kelly just preached a powerful, powerful message, uh, simply this, uh, the the men need to step up. I've been a pastor quite a while here. Have you noticed that? And 99% of the time, it is not the one who's resolved or left to be a single mother that's the problem. It's the man who didn't do what he was supposed to do. He withdrew from the things of God. His heart get cold. And whenever your heart gets cold towards the things of God, right behind it, your heart will get cold towards the people you're supposed to love. It becomes dysfunctional. And so we've had people have to stand up, you know, in that situation. And, and if we'll take heed to that, if we're men listening to her describe the hardship of what happens when the family is not put together the right way. When it's not godly, when it's not nuclear, what begins to happen is we see all the devastation from that, and what we, we take away is, hey, make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do. I don't care where the man of God is at that moment in time. He should make the commitment. You know what? I want to make sure I'm not part of the problem. i want to be part of the solution. That's the way you listen to the things of God. And you know what else will happen if you, if you listen that way? It will keep you from being offended. It will keep you from being put out. Because you want the Holy Ghost to talk to you. Amen. Some people sit under the word of God as if, you know, they've got it all together. Well, what happens when when pride comes? Destruction, the fall. You you don't know it all. We don't have it all together. And that's the attitude. I want to just, I feel real impressed tonight to hit this hard. There's an attitude associated with your believing that is so critical if you want to receive God's best and you want to supernaturally increase. That attitude, you know what? I am hearing to obey. I am hearing to do. I am not here for religious purposes. I'm not here to be seen. I'm not here to build my business. I'm not here because somebody wanted me to be here. I'm hearing right now so I can go out of here and do. And when you do that according to the word of God, you're most blessed. Amen. Now, not everybody functions that way, but you can make up your own mind to be the person that wants to apply what is actually heard. So, yeah, whatever it takes for you, writing in the margin of your Bible, getting you a notebook, whatever it is, when the Holy Ghost talks to you personally in a context like this, especially under a corporate anointing, especially with a five-fold ministry gift that's called of God to do what they're doing, at any moment in time, the Holy Ghost will break in and tell you what you need to be doing. Understand this. There's the word that's being taught, then there's the word that God's trying to get a hold of you. You put yourself in a position to hearken. Yes, you should receive on the topic we're talking about, but when you put yourself with that attitude to hear, with an attitude to obey, you're fair game for the Holy Ghost. And that's a good thing. That if there's something that he's prior, you know, dealt with you about or something that's really, you know, strong to be delivered to you, but you need to act on quickly. This atmosphere, this attitude, see, this corporate attitude allows him to talk to us and straighten us out, amen, encourage us, correct us, put us on a different path, whatever the case may be. So always understand that. You you don't, in other words, you don't get anything but good things by having that hearkening attitude. Nothing bad's going to happen because you have that diligence in your spirit tonight. So say it with me, I hear so I can go do. So if you don't have anything specific to write down maybe on your list, you still have what? The plain teachings of the word that night. To walk out of here and do whatever that topic is. And these are the people that are going to take this nation by storm. These are the people that are going to manifest the power of God, the miraculous of God. These are the people that are going to go out and do great exploits for their God. Amen. So this is real critical. James 1.22 says, Be ye what? Doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And the deception is very simple. I'm under the word, so everything's going to go great in my life. I went to church, so praise the Lord, everything's going to be fine. I went to church and now God's going to take up and do what he needs to do for me. Um, the deception is that there's any transformation or power release just because you heard the word. Now faith comes by hearing. It always comes. Say it. faith comes by hearing. You're not the exception, but Faith coming, that's not the only dimension of believing. Believing, people would say this for years, you know, uh, I'll see—I'll believe it if I see it, the kind of Thomas kind of a spirit. Then other people would say, no, 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 believing is seeing. And do you see things when you believe? Oh, yes, you see things in the spirit, you see things in the word of God, but that's not taking it far enough. Believing is doing. If you don't do, guess what? You really don't believe it. You can take a quick inventory in your life and find out real quickly what you really believe by focusing on the things that you're actually what? Doing. We actually show and demonstrate our our faith by what we do. Now, some people do things for a different motivation, but if you're born again in Spirit Field... How you know we need to believe that, um, you know, the things we believe should line up with the things that we're doing? And if we're not, we're just not there yet. We're not actually believing God in that area. We only actually believe the things we're doing. And failure to do this is a failure to believe, whatever that may be. I believe there's a crisis of believing in the church today. I believe that faith comes by hearing, but faith is not just hearing, faith is also doing. Believing is. Doing Our profession, our declaration doesn't match our action. That means we don't believe the actual things that we're saying. And by we, I'm talking about capital W, capital E. I'm not talking about you personally. Because this may or may not apply to you, but you certainly see this all over the land. Amen? Amen. Um, just, Just a few examples, just to kind of lay this as a foundation tonight. We often use the term Lord and even throw it around. But even Jesus picked up on that in his teaching, and obviously it was going to be a problem. And he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? So I believe he's Lord, but I don't do what he says. What does that mean? I don't believe it. There's a disconnect between my profession and my confession and my declaration and what's actually out there. And Jesus obviously knew that was going to be a problem. And today it's epidemic. I mean, let me help you out here. Uh, The Colonial Pipeline primarily does not serve Kentucky. So you're not going to have a gas problem, so don't go hoarding gasoline. As a believer, when the Bible tells us plainly in James, we shouldn't have that hoarding spirit in us in the first place. There's some people in the body of Christ who won't get rid of their toilet paper until 2025 because they got into that spirit. There was a video today released of a lady that went to Kroger and put gasoline in a Kroger bag. And then, when it began to leak, try to get another bag underneath it. So, the government had to come out and say, Do not put gasoline in non approved containers. So, one guy's filling up 15 five gallon things to put in the back of his truck. I bet you if you went up to him and said, You need to be Jesus' as Lord, he'd probably say, Yes. You love the Lord? Yes. Are you a Christian? Yes. Is this what a Christian would be doing? The disconnect. Look at somebody and say, There is a disconnect. There can't be, if we're really believers, between what we believe and what we do. And I don't care what it is, hoarding money in the last days, hoarding toilet paper in the last days, hoarding gasoline, whatever it is, that spirit gets out there. And behind all that hoarding stuff is a spirit of fear, not faith. I'm not going to have enough gasoline. Well, walk. Maybe we act like this is the end of the world or something like that. In reality, guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. The enemy is just trying to undermine your confidence in God and get you sidetracked and get you distracted on some other thing rather than staying focused on the word of God and what you're called to do and what you're called to be. Amen. Look at somebody and say, "There's there's enough. I am telling you, the devil has sown this shortage mentality throughout the world. That's why people want to kill off vast portions of the population. That's why abortion exists. It's, there's not enough. Tim explained this several weeks ago. There's an asteroid that NASA's been studying, and that asteroid has, I don't know, a million times the wealth that this, this planet has right now. And that's, that's what we call space junk. That's just one little rock going through space that God owns. Forget about just a cat on a thousand hills. He owns it all, and you're his child. Better than that, you're his heir. Why would an heir be sitting there trying to stuff gasoline in a plastic bag? If God doesn't protect her, she's going to be in the NYU burn unit by tonight. Amen? Amen. So Say it would be, it is fear, not faith. What do I believe? Do I believe God is my supplier? Do I believe that God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Do I believe that God is able to give me fuel? Or do I need to hoard it? There's a disconnect there. A lot of people are wanting an increase, and certainly we've talked about things like walking in the truth. we talked about our diligence and our faithfulness. Amen. These are critical sowing and tithing. But if there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and our behavior... It's not going to work for us. Why is that? Because the power to cause these things to come to pass is released when we do. So everybody say when we do. You don't know what to do if the word's not preached. You can't have faith unless the word is what? Preached. But the power to bring the word to pass in your life is released when you do. That servant heart, amen? Craig doesn't want any praise for this, but he comes out here and cuts the grass, and nobody even knows. He slips in the dark of night and cuts the grass back there. Everybody say, do. Everybody say, do. Is that an important thing? Whatever you do in word and deed, do it as what? Unto the Lord. And I'm excited because, uh, I haven't even really told anybody this. We just found out this afternoon that Dr. Barclay's coming back. Praise the Lord, amen, glory to God. We believe he'll be able to confirm that. But one of the things we're going to do that Sunday night, he's going to be with us all day, which is unusual. We're going to to milk him, amen, for everything he's got. (laughs) We're going to do a a volunteers and leaders appreciation banquet while he's here. He's very uh, anointed to speak in the lives of people's lives. But that's the way you want to be. Not a Christianity that's believed, but what? One that's acted upon. Amen. Say it with me the power is released. When we do, say, I'm a doer, say, I'm a doer, doer. we call ourselves Christians and then don't act very Christ-like. What does that word mean? We know it means like the anointed one, but fundamentally it means to be like whom? The person. To be like the person we say that we're following. We say we're members of the body, but live as though we've been amputated from it. Well, it's one way or the other. The disconnect between the profession and the doing. Maybe tonight light bulb is going off in your life, but if there is a disconnect between part of your believing and your doing, then you've got an answer right there. There can't be if you want to see results in that area. We boldly say we walk by faith and not by sight. Then a tiny, invisible, naked-to-the-eye virus completely shuts us down. Hmm. We walk by faith and not by sight unless Fauci tells us we shouldn't. God is not the author of confusion, which tells me the devil is all over these public health officials. It's one way this day, it's another this day. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Amen. Stay six feet apart, don't stay six feet apart. Can you tell I've got a message to preach? (laughs) Then MIT comes out and says, six feet won't do it. You can catch the virus within fifty feet. Could you imagine how that'll work out? Hey church, how you do it? God is not what? The author of Confusion. And yet, that's all you see. And even today, your Christians are just, you know, completely being led by everything but by the simple teachings of Scripture. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. Well, that disconnect can keep you from enjoying God's best. And if you let the Holy Ghost show you, you'll see some of these areas in your own life. There's no way that I could cover even a small amount of them tonight just to illustrate what we really would call these things or what I'd call rationalizations. You believe, but. You're getting your butt in the middle of your faith. I believe what? But. And you give yourself a special allowance not to conform to the thing you say you believe. Your faith's not going to work that way. You can't give yourself special permission not to do what the word says. Well, I feel this or I think that or or they say this. Listen, it's not going to get any easier. This this culture is is crushing towards the church. You will either stand and push back or you'll be gobbled up by it. Amen. Yeah everybody out there right now is diversity of this and inclusion of that and and rainbows here and rainbows there and blah 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 and and no one wants to say the obvious. this is not about what we think it's about what the Word of God says amen well, what difference does it make if we're not going to actually act on the things that are in the word that we say we actually believe we say the word is first place and final authority but then we make it the last place we turn to for counsel and we demonstrate that by not reading the word by not studying the word by not coming to church by not doing things that would put us in proximity to the word of God our actions betray us what is it what is it called if we say we believe something but we demonstrate we don't by our actions It's called a lie. The fancy word is hypocrisy. But fundamentally, what is it? A liar. And all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. How many Christians are flirting with the lake of fire? Christian does not mean right with God. Christian is is a cultural term now. Amen. It's important to, to shore those areas up. You, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. You can't say I'm at peace with God and at war with other people. You just can't. There's a disconnect there. Come on, say it. disconnect. What happens if the wire is disconnected? My wire to increase. Keep pushing it. Nothing's working. Pastor, all this stuff doesn't work. There's a disconnect there between your profession and your action. All you have to do is just bring them back together. And I can't tell you what those areas are for you. Some of you will really need just to seek the face of God and say, God, you know, is, is there something in me? Be like the psalmist. See if there's any what? Wicked way in me. Search me. Our attitude can't be search Barb. <laughs> Can I have a good amen tonight? <laughs> search what? me searching Barb is not going to help me get my increase. Searching Barb is going to help what? Barb. Barb find out if there's a disconnect there. <laughs> now, everybody hasn't. You mean everybody's a liar? To a degree. Let's just be honest about it. We have not arrived yet. Now, it's another thing to be willful, willfully deceptive. You understand the difference here. But to give the Holy Spirit that kind of permission to show us the things that need to be shored up, the disconnections. How many going to let the Holy Spirit show you if there's a disconnect in your life? See, you know, pontificating and, and piety and religion coming down on your head and saying this is your disconnection, that's not what we're called to do. There's only one person who really knows that there's a disconnect in your life. Does that make sense? And it's the Holy Spirit. Now, I mean, know he's kind and gracious. And if you ask him to search you, what will he do? He will, but not to harm you. He's not in the harming, the condemning, the beating up. That's not his gift. That's not what he's called to do. That is not his mission according to the word of God. Amen. Praise God. Now, believing for supernatural increase involves doing. Say it with me. I'm a doer. Say it with me. It's doing. Not just, not just hearing. Okay, so I walk in truth. What does that mean? Does that mean you're, does it mean you're doing the truth? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a faithful person. Are you really doing what it means to be faithful? Are you really diligent? Do you not give up in a fight? Do you not turn back on God? If you fall down in the race, do you get back up again? Amen. See, somebody, he's talking about me right there. I get back up. You can hear all the messages you want on tithing and sowing, but guess what? It's not in the hearing. It's what? It's in the doing. You believe in this principle. You believe that you actually have tithers rights and source promises because you actually what? Because you do it. You are doing the thing you say that you believe. And in talking about my number seven, I knew we'd settle down and, and discuss this concept of believing, which is the sixth principle. We're believing God, and it involves the principle of doing the things we say we believe. That means whatever it pertains to from a command of God to you from the Word of God or a from the Spirit of God. But it also means doing the sowing, doing the tithing, doing the diligence, doing the faithfulness, walking in the truth as much as lies with you. So how many will ask me if there's a disconnect there? You just simply say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an open book here. Show me where the disconnect is. Some will be obvious to us. Some we could probably just automatically say, you know what, I, I, that's exactly, I think, what the Holy Spirit is saying. And some of you might be surprised by what he says. Some of you may have buried some things that need to be dealt with. It's not worth your increase. It's not worth your supernatural movement in your life to just let those things lie there. Instead of dealing with that. When we do, the power is released to bring to pass the things that you believe. Come on, confess that with me. When I do, when I do, the power is released to bring to pass the things that I believe. Notice what that means. Believing them alone does not release the power. Go cover to cover in the Word of God, and you'll see that it's not just believing. What do I mean? Write this phrase down. I heard a man of God say this years and years and years ago. Um, Evangelist in um, Sharon and Mayfield for so many years, Ralph Duncan, that's who I'm thinking about. Uh, He was actually in our church in Hopkinsville, and he said these words, The miracle is in the command." Now, he didn't mean the miracle was in hearing the command. He meant the miracle is what? In doing what the command says to do. Now, that's perfectly consistent with the, the totality of what God's word teaches us and shares with us. For example, Jesus said, you know, uh, you know, we're not going to offend them. We're going to pay the taxes. And so he says to Peter, go down and do what? Catch a fish. And what do you do with that fish? There's going to be a coin in his mouth. Now, did Jesus happen to know that a coin fish was swimming by, or did he put the coin in the mouth? That's, who knows exactly how this worked out. He could have just sucked it up, you know, so he could have dropped it from the boat, and he could have sucked it up, and there he was. He catches the fish because operating in the gifts of the Spirit, he knew the fish was going to be there. He knew he'd have the coin. Well, what happens if you don't go and catch the fish? There's no coin in its mouth. How many of y'all could use some coin? Anybody use more coin to be blessed, to be a blessing? Yes. What do you have to do? You have to go fish. You have to go do what he tells you to do. Yes. And God's stimulus often looks like a job, a J-O-B. Thousands, millions of jobs in the country, and right now people don't go back to work. Restaurant after restaurant saying the same thing. Service operation after service operation, same, same thing. Listen, when a chicken processing plant is willing to give $5,000 signing bonus to people just to pluck feathers, it tells you people are not going back to work. Why? They're being socialized to sit at home and cash a check. That's not scriptural. If you don't work, you don't eat. And by the way, guess what happens if a bunch of Americans don't work? They're not paying taxes. The ability for the United States to help the people that are really hurting, not the ones that are lazy, but the ones that are really hurting, it diminishes the more people stay out of the workforce. Our governor bragged about how great the sales tax receipts were in the past year or so. You know what he didn't quote? He didn't quote how much the income tax was depressed last year. Left out that little bitty detail. That's why I can't stand politicians. If you're going to tell us about the economic condition of the state, then tell us all the economic indicators. All of them. Just don't pull one out that looks positive. Yes, if I give you a bunch of people a bunch of money and you go out and spend it, it's going to increase sales, tax receipts. But where's the revenue from the Kentucky income tax? How did that do during the year of COVID? You and I aren't rocket scientists. We could figure that one out for ourselves. There's a reason why we're not quoting that figure. Amen? Say it with me. I'm a believer. So if I want some coin, what do I have to do? I have to do everything pertaining to coin, right? All the other five principles we talked about. But then if he tells us to go somewhere, to do something, to call somebody, to put your name on the hat, to apply, to do whatever you need to do, he tells you to do, so that you can have what? The coin in the fish's mouth, right? Or Peter could have just sat down on the beach and said, oh, praise the Lord, there's a coin, there's going to be some money to pay. Oh, praise the Lord. He never gets around to going to the bank. Not the bank, but the bank of the water. <laughs> he never gets around to do what? The fishing. But he's all excited because he believes. I believe. I believe what Jesus said. I believe he's going to help us pay the taxes. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Never gets around to doing what? Look at somebody and say, no fish eat, no coin. Peter believed Jesus. And how do we know Peter believed him? Because he said, I believe thee, Lord. And the King James, I believe, I, was, I believe thee. Oh, hold thee a son of God. No, we know he believed. Because of what? <laughs> he went and got the fish. And lo and behold, he had supernatural increase. And supernatural increase can be, you know, you know physical assets like that. It can be opportunities, it can be open doors. But how many you know, if you get a physical healing for a perpetual problem or a chronic problem, How many of you are going to save a lot of coin? Does that make sense? If the Lord changes policies and procedures legally and rules in your favor, how many of you can save you a lot of coinage? There are a lot of ways that He can increase you that it doesn't necessarily look like a coin in the fish's mouth, but you do what He tells you to do. Amen. I believe, so I go do what He tells me to do. Same thing with the nets. They fish all night long. Jesus comes along and does what? And watch this, if I throw the net on this side, how do you know that this side's not that far away from this side? Come on, church, this side of the boat is not that far away from this side. So, you know, one commentator, Barclay, not Dr. Barclay, but one that's dead and with Jesus now. I think he's with Jesus now. He explained this as Jesus was not only an expert carpenter, but an expert fisherman. And he knew the fish weren't on that side of the boat. He knew in the natural they were on this side of the boat. So he said, and it takes more faith to believe this guy's spin than does just to believe what the Word of God says. But watch this. Watch the attitude here. Look at somebody and say, we have to have the right attitude. Attitude of hearing and doing. Watch this. Peter initially bristles at that. We've been what? You can tell what he was thinking because it came out of his mouth. Me, professional fisherman, you, sometime part-time carpenter, we've been doing this all night long and nothing. You could just hear it. But because you say so, drop down the nest. And so what happens? Net-breaking, boat-sinking catch of fish how do we know he finally believed the Lord? <laughs> it reminds me of that story that Griff always tells. When well, in the back of the desert, you know, out there in Las Vegas having a church meeting, they wanted to take a tour out there, and he, he gets lost, and he wanders around, and he's dehydrated, this preacher about dies out there. And the brethren find him. And they finally bring him in, you know, to a cool room in the in the hotel, and he's he's about gone. I mean, he's about dead. And one of the brothers brings up a cold glass of water for him to drink, to get him rehydrated. And that man looks at that water and he says, I believe if I drink that water, I will not die. He says, yes, sir. That's right. Praise the Lord. They're all just agreeing with him. If I, if I drink that water, I will not die. He gets excited. Rodney begins to sing, preach. Amen. I believe if I drink this water, I will not die. And they're all saying, yes, amen, praise the Lord. I believe, he gets really adamant, if I drink this water, and he goes, hey, hey, and he dies. Because he believes. But he never got around to what? Drink the water. Drinking. And so Peter could have said, I believe if we dump down the net, we will have a great catch. That's not what he did. He finally did what? The yeah. down the nets. Look at somebody and say, just drink the water. Just <laughs> what a shame to die from stupidity! Oh, listen, dying believing—he truly believed he would live if he drank that water. But what happened to him? He died because he never drank the water. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ just like that. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them to drink. A woman called and charged by God to take care of the prophet. He shows up, she's about gathering some sticks to take a little bit of meal that's left, a little bit of oil, make a cake for her son and her so they can die. I mean, no, she had the spirit of Anna Hines on her. I'm gonna die. We're gonna make this cake and we're gonna die. And the prophet makes his entry, well, well first, <laughs> before you make the cake and die, First, make one for me. Bring me the water, certainly, but make a cake for me. Now, could you imagine what's going through her her head? Lord, you've got to be kidding. You bring me this psychotic prophet who wants me to feed him first. Not for me first, not for the kid first, but him first. Watch this. We know at some point in time she believed. Because what? Because she went and made what? Made him a cake, and then came the promise. Here came the increase. Come on, say it with me. It's not enough to believe; you have to do. She did what the Spirit had said, and you have the not a disconnect, but a connection between the believing and the doing. And what happened during that famine? Until the time it rained, she always had the meal, and she always had the oil. She always had food. I'd call that supernatural increase. Wouldn't you call that supernatural increase? How much is that worth? Even if she had the money, she couldn't have bought the supplies. They came to her supernaturally. That actually happened to tribe of Judah out in the middle of a a meeting out there in the middle of the woods one time where they put all the canned goods they had into a big stew pot and made this stew. And people ate from it and ate from it. Problem is they had no more canned goods, no more food. And they ate from it and they ate from it and they ate from it. You know what happened? The line never went down. It had a miracle of supply. I see some of y'all are choking on that, so go ahead and get out of here. That's your God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can do it in Elijah's day, he can do it what? Now I don't know what God told them to do, that they listened to God. I do know this, that they actually had an some people that were from an outlaw club to partake of that, if I remember the story right. So they just weren't taking care of their own little church needs. Amen? Wouldn't that be exciting? Now in the natural, somebody's thinking, somebody's getting out of their tent in the middle of the night and putting in canned goods, you know, when nobody's around. Somebody is. Angel with angel food. There is somebody dumping food in there, but not in the natural. What about the multiplication of the fish and the loaves? Amen? That kid hands over his offering, doesn't even think twice about it. Jesus tells them to sit down in groups of 50. There you go, right? How do you know they believed something good was going to happen? They did what he said. And sometimes if you read the commentaries anywhere from 25, 30, 40 to 50,000 people ate that day. Amen. From a two-piece fish dinner from Captain Deese. Uh-huh. Naaman had everything, power, wealth, glory, dying as a leper. How much is, is healing from an incurable disease worth? How much is the restoration of body parts that may have fallen off in the course of its disease in his life? Maybe it was even his sword thumb. Have you ever thought about that? The very... The very weapon he used to wage war. Maybe he couldn't even hold it anymore because of the condition of his hand. Who knows? We don't have all the details. All we do know is that he believed enough to go see the prophet. But then here came what? The command from the Holy Ghost. And he almost choked on it. I'm going to go back and soak in my waters. Well, guess what? The miracle, Naaman, is in the command. And that's basically what the little girl, servant girl, said. If he asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? I mean, sometimes we all need a little voice out there. <laughs> voice of a child or a third party to say what's wrong with you. Just listen to what God is saying. And he did. So what happens? He comes up with flesh like a baby. And is he excited about that? Yes, yes he's just been given his years back, his life back, his health back, his wholeness back. He just had supernatural increase. But how do we know he actually believed? You know, he could still have been sitting there for years. I believe if I dip in this water, I'm going to be healed. I believe if I'll dip down, like they said, I'll be healed. Long after Elijah's dead, <laughs> I believe. No, what? Elisha, brother. Long after he's gone, he's still sitting there. I believe, but how do we know he believed? Because he heard what the prophet said to do, and he did it. Say it with me, no disconnect. no disconnect. When he did the thing he said that he believed. Ten lepers want to be healed. What did Jesus say? Go show yourselves to the priests. How did we know they believed him? They went. We know that 10 got healed, but one got whole because he came back to thank the Lord. A Different story, but the principle is we know they believed what he said. By what? Yeah. By what they did. Believing is not saying I believe something or I just confess something. See, confession is limited without obedience. Amen. I'm to believe that God supernaturally protects his people. Yes. If you believe that God protects his people, Psalm 91 is, is true. It works, yes, it does. But you go around confessing it every day. Teach it to your kids like we did Psalm 91. You know, they know it by heart. They can memorize it. They can spout it out in, in, in an instant. But then while you're riding down in the car, the Lord tells you to exit off the highway and you don't listen to him all the while confessing Psalm 91 and then you run right into someone who is drunk. Are you here? You have to do what? Not just confess Psalm 91. But you have to do what the Spirit is telling you to do. Um, I think it was Timothy that was telling me this story. Um, early in Jesse Planus's ministry, he flew commercial. And basically that's like a flying bar is what that is. <laughs> and of course, it can't possibly uh, take him where he needs to go. But he was about to go on a flight. Um, I want to say he was in Denver going back to to New Orleans and the flight was getting ready to board and the spirit of God said don't get on that plane he said but Lord I want to go home don't get on that plane take the next one he asked when's the next plane I think they said eight hours Lord you want me to to sit here for eight hours and not take this plane and he's like well you know you're a preacher preach while you're waiting to take the next plane a lot of lost people here so preach And then the Lord said, uh, tell the airline official that there's something wrong with the plane and they should not board that plane. (laughs) And he's like, (laughs) you want me to tell them they should not, you know, board the plane? And so uh, he does. And he says, there's this man over here just kind of back in the old days where they still smoked in public places. He's kind of chewing on a cigar and kind of scowling at Jesse as he went up to the desk there and said, the Lord said... The Lord said, don't let that plane be aborted. There's something wrong with that plane. Don't let the board be, the plane be aborted. And this man's just over here scowling, over here scowling. And um, she just says, Lord, who? What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, the short of the story is they boarded the plane. They're going down the runway, getting ready to take off, and the engine blew up. And he's just sitting there. Jesse said he just started laughing. The, you know God's word is true. and that He was able to, to, to pick this up. And so the good news is it never got off the ground. They got everybody out on the chutes, found new equipment, boarded the plane. And um, he's going to get on the plane this time himself and sit down. And the man shooting on the cigar says, uh, where are you sitting? He says, you know, 13 B, whatever. He says, I'm sitting right next to you. <laughs> All a <laughs> sudden. He wanted to sit right next to the man of God, you know, that he was so cynical about. But, uh, you know, what, what, what could have happened? Who knows? Now you can sit there and confess all day long. I believe in supernatural protection. I believe in supernatural protection. If the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, guess what? We know you believe when you do what? When you actually act on what you've been told by God. Man born blind, go wash in the pool. What do you do? He must have believed because what did he do? He went and washed and went home what? Seeing. The believing was important. But we know he believed because he actually did it. The man with a withered hand. What did Jesus say? I'm not stretching out this hand. It's withered. I'm embarrassed. It hurts. It's full of pain. I'm not doing that, but what happened? We know he believed. Because he stretched out his hand and it was made good as new. Say it with me, an attitude of okay. hearing, A hearing. And, doing. and doing. Simple, complex, big or small, it doesn't make any difference. It's important that we live that way. Joshua was given the command of God and the plan of God to march around Jericho how many times? Seven times. And he also told the people, not don't allow them to speak. You know why he told them that? Because they've been belly aching all the way around. There's one. There's two. And we should have disbelieved God for Moses not to die. There's three. Joshua's an absolute nut. We're going to die out here. You could only imagine. But how do we know, even if they didn't, how do we know that Joshua believed God? He did. And on that final lap, what'd they do? And what happened? The walls came down. They could have sat in the camp saying, I believe if we'll walk around Jericho seven times and do what God said, the walls will come down. They could have sat there for months. They could have had church meetings on it. They could have had a church business meeting on whether we should walk around the thing seven times. Have arguments, have sides. I think we should do this. I don't think we should do this. And talk about it. And yes, amen, the faith people saying, yes, we should walk around all these times and do exactly what God has said through the prophet, through the man of God. But how do we know Joshua believed? Because he told them what to do, and they did, and they took the city. Amen. They found a woman named Rahab in there. Rahab is not just a prostitute. she's the owner of the brothel, and historically one of the most successful in the entire region. She was very wealthy, well-to-do, off of that sin, you know, trap. And um, she ran into a couple spies, <laughs> and right at that moment, what did she have to do? I either believe and go with these people, or what? I choose not to go with them, and I can die with everybody else in, in my family, everybody in this entire city to so be wiped out. But what did she do? She actually believed. How do you know she believed? Because she took care of the men of God and the rest is history. And to this day, it still astounds me to read the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and there's Rahab the harlot. Amen. We'll turn to somebody and say, there is hope for you. There is hope for you. If God can do something great with her, for all eternity, she'll be in the Holy Scriptures. Why is she there? She's there because of an example of faith. Scripture refers to her as one of the champions of faith. How do we know? Go through that line. How do we know that Abraham either either believed that God would raise his son from the dead, from the ashes, or provide a substitute? How do we know he believed God? The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him, what? As righteousness. How do we know he believed? Because he did exactly what God told him to do. Do you see this? The word is filled with this principle. Say it with me. It's an attitude of hearing with a commitment to do it. A lot of Christians hear and then debate for a week, a month, six months. Some people have been debating the tithe thing for 50, 20 years. Why? You don't believe. It's as simple as that. Faith comes to be hearing, but you've chosen not to believe. How do we know you believe? Because you do it. And that's when the belief met with the action and releases the power of God to bring it to pass. And whether it is you know, advancing your life years like Naaman or providing coinage for taxes or providing a boat sinking you know, catch a fish, which they would have made a lot of money off of plus feed themselves for whatever purposes they had it for. You can see there's all kinds of increase. But in the Word of God, they're all connected to believing and proving the belief by actually doing the thing they were told. Amen. Actually, you know, Christianity walking by faith is not that complicated. Amen. Deuteronomy twenty-eight sums it up: hear and do. James brought the revelation. Don't be here only, but a doer. If you don't, then you're deceiving yourself. that anything is going to change because you heard all 45 parts of Pastor Art's series on triumph. Do you know how you triumph? You triumph by doing the things that we talked about in the triumph series. I listened to them. I was here for every one of those messages, bless God. And I went online and listened to them two more times. And nothing's changed. There's nothing magical about just listening to the sermon series. Where's the power at? God spoke to me in part four, five, and six, nine, ten, and twelve, and He really got a hold of me in nineteen. 20, I had to repent for twenty-two and twenty-three, but I did everything He told me to do as I listened to that series, and God is absolutely blessing my life left and right. You see that? It's in the doing. Come on, shout out is in the doing. Come on, let's give him a big hand clap and thank him for it.